0: to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who might stop by to ask for a cup of slab. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Hey, everybody. It's show number 491 for November 18th, 2020. On today's show, we're doing a Q&A show. That's, you send us questions. We try to answer them and do the best we can. Uh, before we get to that, though, <laughs> I want to let you know That Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Black Friday deals are going on right now. Shop early for the best selection in stores or at rockler.com. And their gift-making sale is still going on, which uh, includes all the supplies you need for the gift-making season. The sale runs from October 2nd to November 25th, so
2: don't miss it. Make those gifts. Yeah! And if you want to help support the show you can do so by going to patreon.com woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of this here show. This week, we're going to be thanking Powell... Hang on, i got to oh. zoom in. Zafruga, Don Quixote, uh, Matthew McCa... And, oh, and Matthew McCall. Yeah. I'm so glad you
1: didn't say Don Quixote. Or Don Quixote. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know... Quixote,
1: like, O.T. I... Some names I know. Yes, I mean, I, and most of them I, I don't. Give you a certain a certain <laughs> amount of credit for intelligence, but you never know. Some people, maybe.
2: <laughs> I have been told that I am uh, smarter than I look. So there you go. Well,
1: that is a
0: compliment,
2: sir, in every possible way.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Feels <laughs> kind of backhanded, but <laughs> Not all right. Sure about that. <laughs> all right. So let's get into these questions. Uh, you guys email these to us, and uh, we go to our inbox like once a month and, and pull these suckers out of there. So the first one I have here is from Doug Wilson, Douglas Wilson. He says, I'm looking into the fine woodworking program at Red Rocks Community College in Lakewood, Colorado. That's, that's just right up the road for me, you guys. Never been there, but it's right up the road. <laughs> I have a couple of questions regarding this decision. Do you have a general opinion about this specific school? And is a formal, quote unquote, formal education in woodworking better than trying to learn at home from YouTube? All right, So I don't have specific experience with this school, but I do know a couple people who have taught there and attended there. And it seems like a great program. It yeah. seems like a very solid program. Uh, uh, Shannon, you've spent probably more time in this area than I have. Do you have an opinion on Red Rocks? Yeah,
1: it's very well-respected school. Lots of, um, mm-hmm. lots of well, they have a lot of guest instructors, but they also just a lot of tenure. So the people that have been yeah. teaching there have been teaching there a very, very long time. It's just a really well-thought-out program. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's changed like with the times as well, they've managed to keep up with the the whole maker revolution. So you have several different options. You can really go down a traditional cabinet making, um, option, but then you also like, think like Frank Klaus, traditional cabinet, cabinet making, but then there's also like the full on CNC cabinet making option or a little bit of both. It's yeah, it's a really great program. Cool.
0: So what I what I will chime in on is the concept of formal education versus learning at home on YouTube. Uh, You know, even as someone who really believes online learning is a very good thing and has very specific advantages uh, cost being able to review materials after the fact, uh, in some cases, like in the guild, being able to have contact almost indefinitely contact with the instructor to ask questions after the fact. Uh, a lot of times in person classes, you have a question, but you might not be able to access that person later. Uh, certainly if you're part of a, an ongoing program, you would, but if it's like a, a week long class or a weekend class, you may not have that, um, you know, that option. But all that said, uh, in spite of what I do for a living, I actually think there's no substitute for in-person learning. Uh, Being able to uh, sit there next to someone, have someone see your actual physical motions and correct your your body English, which is definitely a factor for hand tools and power tools. Uh, Having that kind of instruction in a formal environment like that I think is incredibly valuable. The problem is not everybody has the time, the budget, or even the desire to do something like that. So having the resources online uh, means that more people than ever have access to this information. And if they are self-motivated and uh, willing to do the self-taught thing, you can go pretty darn far without formal education. But if formal education is on the menu, take it if you can, because guess what? The, the free stuff is still there. And you could still do that in addition to your formal education. Uh, You could see something online and now you have a place to go and go, hey, was this really a good thing that this person did? Is this a good way to do this? And you have an instructor there that can guide you um, through that because it's not always obvious uh, when you see a video online. Is is that a good way to tackle that thing? Um, You can't always trust it 100%. Well, you can't trust anybody 100%, but I feel like in a formal school environment, you have some resources that you can bounce ideas off of. So If it's uh, on the menu for you, go for it. If
1: and and thinking, if you're going to look into a formal program, you might be considering this as as an occupation. And if that is your goal, that does help you to get hired later. If you can say, "I'm a graduate of this program or that program," rather than "I've been woodworking for ten years and no, I don't," you know, (laughs) "no, I don't really have a certification or anything to show from it." I mean, certainly a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there in that situation who have been hired. But if you're new to this and like want to get a job at a cabinet shop or a mill shop or something like that, being able to say I'm a graduate of this program or that program will get your foot in the door. And I'm speaking specifically Mm -hmm. because that's what we're doing right now is doing a lot of hiring in the COVID world. We, you know, had a lot of layoffs and unfortunately we've had to now, not unfortunately, fortunately had to hire a lot more people back and some people weren't available. So we're, actively hiring. And that's it's one of the things we look for Because yeah. you know, just working in a garage or I watched it on YouTube, eh, doesn't really fly when <laughs> you're looking to bring this person into an already up and running production environment.
0: Yeah. Well, and one other thing is don't like, if you do a program like this, don't totally ignore the stuff that you could find online. There's still great resources out there. Uh, one trap of formal education is you go through a system and that system teaches you a way Yeah. there's mm-hmm. other, there are other ways. And I've had experiences with people who have that formal education who truly believe there's only one right, best way to do something. And that's not the case, right? So I think if you go through that, always try to keep that open mind of other people's methods for doing things. Um, and you could certainly discuss those with your instructors, but I think it's good to keep an open mind and remember that there are always multiple ways to get things done. Good point.
1: Uh, Dan emailed us and said, I recently fallen down the hand plane rabbit hole and been watching restoration videos. A lot make them look new and shiny, but what if I just need them to work and not be pretty? Does the other stuff make a difference? This is a great question because it does seem lately that the restoration thing has been to not restore it to work, but restore it so that it looks like it just got out of the box. And if that's Mm -hmm. your thing, cool. But if you just want to make it work, no. It doesn't have to. The things you need to pay attention to are the actual, like the moving parts and the plane in function. Where do the wood shavings go? And anywhere where there's going to be wood shaving content, contact through the mouth, you know, um, across the blade, over the, the chip breaker, across the lever cap, all of that does need to be pretty. It needs to be polished so that it won't catch a shaving and cause things to clog. Certainly the sole of the plane does need to be, well, maybe not pretty, but you want it to be flat. And in the process of getting it flat, you're probably going to make it pretty. But, you know, a typical bench plane, the sidewalls aren't really used. So if there's some patina or there's, as long as it's not active rust blooms that are going to continue to eat your plane, you're fine. Um, The Japanning, the paint that's on the top, that is there to help prevent rust. So if you have chipping paint in certain places, you need to be conscious and at least pay attention to it. Um, but if the knob or the toad is kind of ratty, as long as it functions, okay. And it's not like broken and shifting around on you perfectly fine. Um, yeah. So think about rust and think about the function of the plane. And if you find the plane is not functioning properly, maybe you didn't go far enough in making it pretty. And you might be having some clog points or some pitch points or some out of flat points. But other than that, get it back to work as soon as possible. That's always been my, my philosophy.
2: Okay okay they're good mass turn the end yes <laughs> uh the end and and fiend. all right we got one here from eric uh it says as with uh, most woodworkers there's limited furniture that the missus will allow me to put in the house in order to keep building and growing i've asked friends and family what i can build for them the conundrum literally every person that i have offered to build for wants a painted two by four farmhouse x style furniture or river tables No disrespect to the crass people who make that stuff, but it's not for me. Hmm. Would I be a total fool to build stuff that I want and try to find someone to buy it for just material costs? My goal would be to build a profile and hopefully that eventually people who want that type of furniture find me. I live in northern Canada, so I pay a pretty penny for hardwood lumber and I feel that I will be stuck with material costs for the furniture I can't get rid of. So this is This is an interesting one I, I threw this in here Because I thought This would be a good um, Oh I don't want to say Cop out One for me But A really good one For like the audience Because yeah. like It's been a long time Okay first of all Anything I've ever built I get to put in my house Because as we discussed Last time My wife is way too supportive Of everything I do <laughs> so, so. Even if she didn't like it, it's still going to go in the house because uh, I built it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, I haven't had the experience of I don't I want to make these things, but I literally don't have a home for it. So I'd be interested to hear from anyone out there that's in a similar situation of what have you done to be able to get yourself to a point where you can make things that you want to make or, or try to make things and build a portfolio because as uh, Eric kind of mentioned, he's trying to get to that point where he has this collection, this portfolio of things that he can make or has made and he's trying to attract customers that will be interested in buying those things, not necessarily the the farmhouse X-style furniture or river tables. The other thing to consider here, too, is if you're living in northern Canada you've and you've asked all your friends what they want made, you kind of have a good sampling of the immediate market around you. So there is a good possibility that there might be, not be a market for the things you want to make where you are locally. So you mm-hmm. might have to look at more of a shipping type situation or you know, outside of your immediate geographic zone where you can like deliver things.
0: Yeah. How about get better friends? Yeah, there you go. Is that a possibility Fine. or get not better, better friends? Upgrade get friends, your with friends. Better, yeah. Friends with better <laughs> taste. How about that?
2: There t- that's the, and, you know, that's the Mark answer right there. <laughs> get better friends. You really, you know, solve the real well, problem. Even if people,
0: <laughs> even if people really like, that's the table that they wanted. Um, man, it just seems like it shouldn't be too hard to unload a good quality piece of furniture that he just wanted to build and kind of just wants to be reimbursed for materials. Yeah. Right. You know, like people love good quality furniture. And even if it's not the style that they wanted, like that that's how my mom is. Even if it's not the exact style she wants, she'll take anything I made just because she knows it's high quality. Her son made it. She loves it. You know, and I find neighbors, if we have something we need, like we just don't have room for, uh,
2: people aren't saying
0: no. <laughs> you know, it's a good quality custom furniture.
2: It's something else just that you can like kind of venture down is uh, I think in a lot of these examples we are talking about like larger pieces, you know, like, yeah, I'm assuming this is going to be like, ta- like dine tables. Yeah. You don't have to make dine tables. You can make smaller pieces that don't necessarily have to fall within those design constraints. If you want to make like a nice wall hanging cabinet, for instance, mm-hmm. um, you could do that and you could still be able to show off like, oh, I can do joinery. Like I have some really good dovetail skills. So I can make a wall hanging dovetailed cabinet that someone could probably would probably want. And with those smaller projects, you have less material that you're dumping into it. So your risk is lowered as far as like, am I going to get stuck with this piece of furniture that I can't sell for material costs? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good point. Well, but there's the other aspect of it. It could be a tax deduction. Like, yeah, I mean, you still have to come up with the money. I always love that, the justification. You can write it off. Well, I still have to pay for it, you know, to begin with. And it's not a one for one thing. the write off off isn't that substantial. it's (laughs) It's not like it's a tax credit, you know, but... Still, if it's someplace, if it's something that you really want to build for the experience, you could consider donating it to, you know, a decent cause and then using that as as a write off. Or you could also, you know, if you can find a consignment shop, um, they may never sell it, but it gets it out of your, it gets it out of your house, whatever. And there's a possibility that you could sell it down the road. I mean, I
2: don't
1: know, maybe something else to consider. Mm, cool
2: yeah hopefully someone has some solid advice hopefully out there
1: probably not hopefully
0: because we sure don't
1: okay <laughs> so moving on um <laughs> get better friends <laughs> that's the best advice all day <laughs> uh, that should be our show title actually um there you go so andrew
2: your friends suck yeah <laughs>
1: Andrew said that uh, I recently bought a set of Veritas saws from a friend of mine as he was upgrading to Bad Axe. It was the full set of three saws, dovetail, crosscut carcass saw, and a crosscut tenon saw. Uh-uh. I was confused when I found out the tenon saw was filed crosscut as I thought tenon saws were rip saws. Is this crosscut filing problematic? Is it something I should consider recutting the teeth to a rip pattern Are there benefits, drawbacks to having a crosscut tenon saw? I don't plan on cutting three-inch thick tenon shoulders anytime soon. Well, why not? You should. Because cutting tenons is fine. (laughs) Everybody's Um, doing it. Yeah. We'll step back a little bit and say crosscut carcass saw is redundant, and all carcass saws are crosscut. And all tenon saws should be rip cut. And this is my biggest bone of contention with Veritas, is that they offer these saws in crosscut or rip, and that's just stupid. Because a tenon saw is a rip saw, a carcass saw <laughs> is a crosscut saw. That's just stupid. What? <laughs> that's just <laughs> <Sorry>. stupid. So <sighs> I'll say that and then I'll say, yeah, okay, maybe not. Semantically, my OCD just does, I can't handle it. Even when a tenon saw is filed differently. But lightning will not strike you if you make a rip cut with a crosscut file saw. Um, no one is going to point fingers at you and laugh. Well, they might. It is the internet if you post it. But what what's going to happen? really, you're still going to find, as long as the pitch is right, it's still going to cut relatively efficiently. And, you know, those Veritas saws, they are pitched appropriately for the type of saw, dovetail, carcass, or or tenon. You'll find that it's a little bit easier to start, um, but you'll also find that it will dull a little bit faster than a pure rip saw, and it won't necessarily evacuate the dust quite as well. So, Again, if you're not cutting really long tenons, this probably won't be an issue. But as you start to get buried deep into that tenon cheek, it will cause a bit more of a problem. Question is, are you even going to notice? Like how many tenons are you sawing at one time? If You're sawing all day long, cutting tenons all day long. It might be a problem. But if like most hobby woodworkers, you you cut that tenon and then you move on and maybe cut the mortise, you're not really going to notice. I would not resharpen it. It's easier to go from a rip tooth to a crosscut tooth, but going from crosscut to rip is a problem um, because the face is at an angle. And in order to move that angle back to zero degrees of fleam, you have to remove a significant amount of steel from the tooth itself. So you end up with these really skinny teeth, and the pitch will get affected by that as well. So I say go with it. And someday in the in the future, when you decide you you yourself want to upgrade, pass those Veritas saws on to someone else and get yourself some other saws. There
0: you go. Okie dokie. Uh, Next one we have here is from Derek. Derek Robbins. He says, I've always wanted to contribute to the show, and since I have neither cash nor a difficult name for Matt to stumble over, I thought I would uh, ask a question. I don't know. Well, he spells (laughs) Derek with an A. Yeah. Uh, That that would trip me up. That would be confusing. Okay, so he says, I want to make a solid wood coffee table on the underside. I want a long, shallow angle all the way around the perimeter such that the middle of the table is a full two inches thick, but that the edges have a half-inch drop that's square to the top, then a long angle about four and a quarter inches long. Uh, I'm guessing the angle would be about 20 degrees to the top. I could plane them with my low angle 62, which would be a lot of work, which I'm okay with, but I'm not sure how to make it flat, smooth, and consistent when it's finished. My bandsaw is three-phase, and I don't have a VFD yet, so that is out. I don't have a jointer, but the angle is probably too shallow for that. The depth is too great for the table saw. I was thinking router sled, which may work, but could be tough to get perfect. Any other ways that uh, you can think of for cutting this? Now, I've actually, oh, let me read the last part here. It says, thanks for your help in the entertainment, although I sometimes wonder what Rockler was thinking. <laughs> we agree with you, Derek. Absolutely. Every time we, ha- we, we say it, every show. <laughs> What are they thinking? Um, so I've done this a couple different times on projects. I've done a green and green inspired entry bench that has a wide under bevel, and then I did a like a mid century modern table uh, for Jason when he was working for us last year uh, that also has the same thing. And uh, bad news for you, we use the hand plane. <laughs> like <laughs> it's a shallow amount of material. It's a hard cut to rig up somewhere, and unless you're doing a lot of these. Uh, you know, coming up with some kind of a jig and a router system to do this just seems like a lot of work. You know, for just a one-off. So what we did when when the the when, it, when there was enough material to remove to justify it, I went to a power carving solution, and I actually just used the grinding disc to get the bulk out of there. And yeah, it makes it, it tears it up. It just makes it ugly and awful. But that's where the hand plane then comes in. Uh, it actually was not that much work to get this thing nice and smooth. Now, is it uh, dead flat? Can I get a hallelujah? Yeah. There you go. Shannon's happy now. <laughs> See? He was right this whole time. It actually wasn't that much work. And because all this is is an underside bevel on a tabletop, who cares if it's perfect? All it needs to be is smooth to the touch, right? And if you get pretty close to your lines, you would draw lines on the the edge grain, you would draw lines along the bottom face, and then you're planing back to those lines. Now you said yourself it's about a 4 and a quarter inch long span it's not that hard between two lines to get four and a quarter inches to be flat because the hand plane does that for you. Uh, So as long as you're just kind of relatively consistent as you go, by the time you, you hog away the bulk, let's assume you have a power tool solution for that. Um, you're going to be fine. How about a belt sander, you know, low grip belt sander could do that too. Even if, um, In fact, what I think we did was we did the power carving, which leaves a lot of scalloping, you know, and and divots in the surface. We then went to the low grit, like 60 grit belt sander. And then I finished it off with the hand plane and a little bit of scraping and sanding. And it's actually not that bad, especially since you're just talking about a coffee top, a coffee table. I did this on a dining table. So (laughs) it's still, but it still was, you know, work that we did within a day. It wasn't that big of a deal. So. Uh, you know, you got the hand plane there. You probably have some other tools that I mentioned that you might be able to use for this. Uh, just keep it simple. Don't don't, I don't think you have to worry about designing a Jager coming up with some clever solution uh, and no one will see it. So don't worry about it too much.
1: That was the best answer <laughs> you've ever given.
0: Well, thank you, Shannon. I'm glad you approved. So, about time. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I've been <laughs> so I've been paying attention. Also get
1: better years. friends while
2: you're at <laughs> it.
0: And get better friends. <laughs> Just because.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. This the next one is from Adam. I'm going to just summarize this Run real quick. He just upgraded to a set of Nerex chisels from his set of Harbor Freight chisels. He's having an issue with the chisels cutting his hands a little bit as mm. he's uh, holding them. So he's using his uh, left hand to act as a brake as he's doing some hammering. Hammering or, you know, hitting the chisel, with the mallet or whatever. So he's uh, choking up on him, causing the uh, the chisel to kind of slide through his fingers a little bit, which is uh, leaving little cuts on there. So he's asking if it's uh, a bad idea to try and blunt around over those edges, or uh, if not, what is the simple right answer? So I think we've talked about this a few times on the bevel of the chisels, those edges right there. They can get pretty sharp, so a very easy solution to that. And it is totally acceptable and fine. It's just to knock those sharp corners off. You can do that with some sandpaper or you can do it on your stones if you want to or whatever, just to get that really sharp edge off of there so you actually hold it without actually cutting yourself.
0: I like his, uh, his question here. Are my hands just too soft and delicate for this hobby?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, this, this is one it way to change be. them, I suppose. You can start building out the scar tissue. So don't change them and you'll have, have hard hands.
0: Yeah, I've uh, I've I've had times where after a certain chisel- chiseling session, I have to go get a band-aid and cover the five or six tiny little paper cuts in right, my they're fingers. They're so tiny and they're
2: like so annoying. Yeah.
0: They're there's tiny and super painful for as simple and small as they are. And then you go on like put your hand in a bucket of pickles without realizing <laughs> like it. Like you do, you yeah. know, you go That's out one pickle does. bucket <laughs> to to go grab your pickle <laughs> your daily pickle snack. <laughs> So you shove, instead of getting, you know, tongs, (laughs) you shove your whole damn hand in the pickle jar, pickle barrel. I'm sorry. What kind of lifestyle you'd live out there, Matt? What are you doing? Can you send me a picture of your pickle barrel? I'm going to come to visit, get some fresh pickles from the farm. (laughs) Oh, Classic Matt. (laughs) Making his own pickles. All right. Well, uh, you know it's a it's a short show for us today. Uh, we only had a few questions oh, here selected, <laughs> <laughs> but let's go out on a pickle note. If you, if you're gonna go out, go out on a pickle note. Uh, remember that we are proudly sponsored by our friends at Rockler. Rockler is a family owned business since 1954. They're your go to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, uh, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com, use the code WOODTALK, that's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders
1: over $39. That's fabulous. And if you mm-hmm. want to share how you get pickles <laughs> out of the jar or the barrel, you can go to woodtalkshow.com and tell us. Is it is it a, a large barrel or is it more like a, a small like tankard style barrel that you keep your, <laughs> your, your pickles in. you like spicy pickles or sweet pickles, dill pickles, really hot and spicy pickles. Of the above. Yum, yum. You know, personally, I, I usually just tip the jar back and drink the pickle juice. Cause it's good for like, you know, sodium after a long ride. And then I don't have to dip my fingers into the pickle juice the pickles stick out above the juice and you just pull it out. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. uh, the more pickles you take It's also
1: out,
0: good because uh, no one wants to be near you after you drink that uh, pickle juice because yeah. you stink.
1: Sure. Anyway, so you can send those questions <laughs> via woodtalkshow.com or you can email us at woodtalkshow at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at woodtalkshow. It's woodtalkshow. You want to know something, a little little personal story?
0: A girl I used to date in uh, in high school. I don't know why, but every every time I kissed her, she tasted like pickles. Is that weird? Not if she is that a
1: condition. Not if she ate a lot. Or maybe pickles. she just
0: maybe she just ate a lot of pickles. I maybe mean,
1: she was just salty.
0: <laughs> isn't that kind of weird though? <laughs> why is this coming up now?
2: Well, because we're talking about pickles. As a memory, like you didn't realize it was pickles before. Or... Oh no 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 no! I did. This is just a story oh, that I wanted to tell. It was it. like it's like revelation. I said, you know what? Oh no that no no, weird, no! That weird taste I had <laughs> in her mouth. That was <laughs> Or actually you know what it was pickles was, 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 that your, no, I definitely,
0: was
1: that your pet name for her pickles
0: yeah uh, I called her Gherkin. Gherkin. <laughs>
1: <And> <laughs>
0: is, Gherkin is this why
1: the relationship didn't work out or uh,
0: I don't know I, I don't think I want to be you know permanently with someone who tasted like pickles as long
1: as she didn't call you her sweet Gherkin then. that's right
0: <laughs> look it is what it is Shannon we just deal with what we've got okay, oh, okay.
2: Always, always back to this okay uh we'll
0: see you later bye Bye. (laughs) get better friends (laughs) even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quinn's is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more